This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Well, 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 would you look who came back to work on a big Monday of Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who didn't spend the weekend trashing the indictment of President Trump. Check this out. Former New York Governor Hansi Andy Cuomo. Andy! Andy! The former gov says it's all politics and even Bill Maher saying now that after six years of Russia probes and Ukraine impeachments and classified information, this looks like a really weak case. You gotta do better than that. We will discuss with James Comer, uh, House Oversight Committee chairman, the fellow who is bringing the case against one Hunter Biden. Hunter's a dirtbag. A lot of people feel that way. Molly Hemingway is going to be here as well. She's the senior editor for The Federalist. And Chadwick Moore. Weighing in on the fact that ESPN decided to celebrate Women's History Month by honoring Leah Thomas. That's not your mother. It's a man, baby. 888-788-9910. If you want a part of a big Monday episode that has one rule, you could be a Republican on this show. You could be a Democrat. The only thing we ever ask is that you don't be a <laughs> That is all. Happy Monday, everybody. The champ is fired up. Uh, I'm going to be on Gutfeld tonight at 11 o'clock with our lovable comedy dwarf, Greg Gutfeld. So shout out to them in advance for the ratings bump. Uh, Always a high honor, for real, though, to be on with the King of Late Night. And I will, of course, be filling in. I'll be hosting Greg's show uh, two weeks from today. It'll be April the 10th if you want to see me in action there as well. But we begin today uh, on the radio with some you and me time where we still don't have a word on this pending Trump indictment. We have an awful lot of truth social posts from Trump, and we have an awful lot of you know members of the left-leaning media speaking out against it. Why? Because the Trump indictment is no longer a liability for him. It's very much become a liability for them. Bingo. Okay, you understand there's no deliverable here. Okay, if Trump gets indicted, yes, this is a you know, a little bit of a payoff on people who have spent six years hating this guy with all the fiber in their being. But, you know, how they talk about terms like white privilege. You know, indicting Trump is kind of like it's like orange privilege, <laughs> if you will. Meaning if you can look out at the state of inflation, which is still at six percent, you could look at the overrun southern border, the record level of fentanyl deaths. The fact that the Taliban is posting pictures all over the Internet today showcasing the tens of thousands of weapons we left behind. If you can look out at all of those things and feel like indicting Trump is the priority, you are living a life 
of just maximum strength privilege. He knows what he's talking about. So you're starting to see the appetite to indict Trump get a little long in the tooth. Last week, they were excited. You, I was playing your media montages where they were, this is it. The great pumpkin was finally going to fly over the pumpkin patch after six years. They were going to get Trump. You must be crazy. When are you going to stop believing in something that isn't true? I mean, it wasn't going to pan out legally. We knew that. But at least they were going to get the thrill of having the guy indicted and potentially fingerprinted and handcuffed. People were excited about that. But as the week has dragged on and the emotions have worn thin, people are starting to ask the question of, oh, yeah, why are we doing this anyway? It's not like the guy's actually going to go to jail. Okay, Michael Cohen being the key witness, a guy who has already perjured himself twice and been charged for it, means Alvin Bragg is not the sharpest guy in the world for bringing this case. You blockhead! But it's not just Jimmy Fallon talking. Some, you know, chubby Fox News radio host who spent the weekend drinking and smoking cigars in his backyard. We had our first Elvis of the season yesterday at the Fela house. Uh, and the speakers, with I, I use Bose S1 Pros. They're fancy. It's the only fancy thing I own. I have these bazookas. And we just unloaded Elvis at the Garden. It's a big one. Rowdy. And uh, it's so much so that the first noise complaint of the year did not come from my neighbor. You know, everybody who listens to the show knows at least once a summer, my neighbor will climb over the back fence and be like, dude, turn that down. Come on. This is ridiculous. But yesterday it was Jenny Fela who walked into the backyard and was like, dude, we can hear the Elvis from down the block. Oh, shut up, woman. Seriously, Jenny. We love you. But the point is I'm in a great mood. But the liberal media is not because they're getting put into a bad spot. What happens is. We've all had a friend who complains so much about a coworker that we eventually realize our friend's the pain in the ass. That's what you come to realize. Like, oh, she complained about Becky so much. Becky did this. You can't believe what Becky had for lunch. Oh, Becky wore these shoes. You know what Becky said about the weather? And you're like, all right, I get it already. I'm starting to like Becky. Okay, that's what happened to the liberals. Okay, a lot of them complained about Trump so much they started to drive people to his side. You know, people do a better job of making the case for Trump than Trump does. You know, Trump got in a lot of trouble over the weekend because he got some good news in the national polls. He expanded his lead over DeSantis. Okay, he's losing to DeSantis head to head in the key states. The first voting states, Iowa, DeSantis beats him by eight points. New Hampshire head to head, DeSantis beats him by a narrow margin. So the point is on a state by state basis where these primaries are tallied, Trump is not in a position to win. But nationally, which does matter in the general election, in a broader coalition of voters, Trump is garnering a lot of sympathy because this looks like an overzealous political persecution. But he, of course, got onto Truth Social and posted memes of him hitting Alvin Bragg with a bat. Okay, he ultimately wound up deleting the meme because it wasn't the best look. But the point is, no matter how nuts Trump gets, the people who hate him are so much crazier than he is. And if you're somebody like Bill Maher, who is, a, you know, liberal at his core, hardcore, okay, but he hates the direction his party's gone in because it taints him by association. So let's start with Bill Maher speaking out. This is clip eight. I just would like to go on record of saying I think this is a colossal mistake if they bring these charges. Um, not this one. You know, I mean, yes, he's done a lot of bad things, and I'm sure he did this. Everything they accuse him of done, he did. But... <laughs> First of all, it's not going to work. It's going to be rocket fuel for his 2024 campaign. And it's just going to look to MAGA Nation like, oh, you know, you tried with Mueller. You tried with Ukraine. You tried with January 6th. Now we go to the porn star. Really? You're down to that?
That was embarrassing. That's what he's saying. Okay, you've been selling these people on the idea. Oh, we got the goods, baby. Russian collusion. This guy colluded with Russia to overthrow our government. And that's the conspiracy theory. For all the things they yell at you for being conspiratorial about. Okay, you're a conspiracy theorist if you said vaccinated people get COVID. Here's a newsflash. Vaccinated people are dying of COVID just as much as the unvaccinated. You're a conspiracy theorist if you said Hunter Biden's laptop was a real thing. They've since come forth. Every major news organization has verified that it's a real thing. Hunter Biden's actually suing the laptop repairman who handled it, saying it's defamation of character for releasing those informations, which ergo means the laptop was actually real. Okay, but again, you're a conspiracy theorist for saying it. So says the people who wanted you to believe Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin had overthrown our government. They had coordinated, colluded on an election rigging scheme. Okay, biggest conspiracy theory you'll ever live through. And it was completely fabricated out of thin air. But the point is, when that becomes the the ask, oh, you got to believe us here. Trump's a Russian. Okay, when that doesn't pan out, they moved on to obstruction of justice. Well, you got to believe us here. Not a Russian, but he did obstruct justice. And then when that didn't pan out, well, you got to believe us here. Okay, Trump went into Ukraine. He withheld key critical military aid. Never mind that they got it. You got to believe us when that didn't pan out. They were like, well, you got to believe us here. His tax his taxes. He's a tax cheat. He's going to die in prison like Al Capone. I'm telling the bad things. And when that didn't pan out, his accountant's doing about four months in jail for something he committed as a clerical error. They've now moved on to this. Do you understand the bar has gotten lower and lower and lower, and it's starting to make Democrats look like the crazy ones. Here is, again, Andrew Cuomo. I am no fan of Andrew Cuomo. Okay, he was, of course, forced out of office because he didn't have the best etiquette around the ladies. You ever seen a grown man naked? But here he is exercising in, in you know, an effort in image rehabilitation. Cuomo was on WABC radio here in New York over the weekend taking calls. Anthony Weiner did something similar after he was disgraced and chased out of office. You know, you face live ammo, you take some heat, you start the slow process of ingratiating yourself into society again and, you know, creating perhaps a long view where you could become politically viable. Make no mistake about it. Andrew Cuomo wants to come back. He wants to be politically relevant. He doesn't want to die on the sword of sexual harassment, no matter how frisky things got with Hansy Andy Cuomo. Andy! But here he is taking a point that he knows has a lot of bipartisan support. Uh, It is clip five. I think it's all politics. And I think that's what the people of this country are saying. And it just feeds that anger and that cynicism and the partisanship. It's a coincidence that Bragg goes after Trump and Tish James goes after Trump and Georgia goes after Trump. That's all a coincidence. Uh, And I think it feeds the cynicism. And that's the cancer in our body politic right think about that okay obviously the left hates him even more now than they did a few months ago (laughs) you can't say that come on what do you mean cuomo okay but he is telling the truth and one of the values of having me on the radio to be your pal every day is that i am capable of agreeing with people i detest if they make a substantively good point and i am also allowing you the permission to do that that doesn't make you a rhino. It doesn't make you like, oh, how dare you, you know, agree with Andrew Cuomo, you know, that whole thing. We have to get to a place in our politics where we agree on what's right and we agree on what's wrong. 
and it doesn't matter which party these truths or lies are coming from. We just need to call them out for what they are. Here is Cuomo a little more, clip six. You have a cynical public. They don't believe anyone. And when you start to see these prosecutors bringing political cases, it just affirms everybody's cynicism. He's not wrong. Okay, and everyone's basically saying the same thing. I'm sick and tired of all this bullshit. Because there's no deliverable. When you look out at the country right now, okay, we're in a bad spot. If you're living on a fixed income, you're getting smoked by inflation. If you happen to be a single mom, somebody living paycheck to paycheck, what 70% of the country are, you really don't have the luxury to prioritize what Democrats want you to prioritize. Oh, the climate's changing. I'm telling you, the weather's going to be bad in 50 years. So you need to adjust your whole entire lifestyle now. Now, we're going to be flying around in private jets if anybody needs us. But back down there on the ground, okay, because the weather's going to be bad in 50 years, we have it from a scientist who passed around the collection plate after the lecture. Please give us money. Okay, but trust me, he wasn't just in it for the money. He was looking out for you. He was looking out for you when he said climate change. You are so full of shit. Everybody knows that. Okay, their priorities aren't yours. Going after Donald Trump, nobody cares. Nobody, I just don't care. Most people have control of their emotions and have some type of a spiritual core that gives them something to live for besides the persecution of their political enemies. Okay, the fact that the left continues to prioritize this at this late of a date really speaks to just how morally bankrupt they've become in terms of leadership, in terms of people. But when it comes to the law, getting past all of my sermonizing over here, here is Alan Dershowitz. He himself, a proclaimed liberal, something who voted, someone who voted against Trump twice, who says with a straight face, according to his analysis, Alan, Bra- Alan Bragg could practically lose his law license if he went forward with a case configured the way it is. It's clip nine. I don't think an indictment can actually come forward now after the comments made by Costello. He has proved that the main witness is going to be a perjuring liar on the witness stand. And that puts the district attorney in a terrible position. If he uses Cohn as a witness, he could actually lose his bar license. It's unethical to put a witness on the stand who you know is lying, and he has to know that Cohen will be lying. Or he tries the case without Cohen, which is very difficult, or he does the right thing. He drops the case. And basically what he's saying to Alvin Bragg is... Are you stupid or something? Because it's an idiotic move. If you're trying to prove that somebody was a liar, you're not supposed to bring on Michael Cohen, a guy who has been charged with perjury twice. That's true. That is true. Really think about that. It's like we're trying to prove somebody's a bad husband. So here to testify in our defense is O.J. Simpson. And you're like, wait a minute. No, this doesn't add up. And everybody sees it but them. So if I had a hope for the country, it's Monday. I'm fired up. I'm excited. But if I was, had any hope at all for our country, it's that we just move on from this charge because it's stupid. And with all the problems facing us, again, I didn't get on the air and tell you Trump was a choir boy. But you're not electing a choir boy. You're electing a president in a filthy, horrific world. Just a, I always say this is top shelf radio in a bottom feeding world. Oh, my goodness gracious. We're past the bottom now and we're coring. We're drilling into the earth's core. So if we could get past whether or not the stripper got paid by check or got paid in singles, I think it would be a addition by subtraction for all of us. What can I tell you, kid? You're right. When you're right, you're right. 
You're right. You're listening to the show that Standard & Poor describes as Standard & Poor. I would say he's incompetent, but I don't want to do that because that's not nice. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. All right, this one's for the fellas who want to tap the brakes on the aging process. How do you do that, Jimbo? We're talking about Nugenics Total T. Okay, every day that passes by is a day that you lose testosterone, which means less muscle, less energy, less get up and go in the bedroom. That doesn't sound any fun. But are you really ready to lose your shape, your muscle, maybe even in your energy? You don't have to. Okay, you can slow it down with Nugenics Total T. Nugenics Total T, it'll boost free and total testosterone, and it'll help you get the old fire back at work, in the gym, in the bedroom. How about it? Nugenics Total T Testosterone Booster has Testafin, which will boost your testosterone. You know, the man hormone. How about more of that? You can try Nugenics Total T before you buy. There's nothing to lose, everything to gain. Now get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total T when you text 231-231 and enter the keyword Jimmy. Text now. You'll get a bottle of Nugenics Thermo X, the newest and most powerful fat incinerator ever, with key ingredients to help you lose fat fast and get lean fast. It is absolutely free. Your complimentary sample available to you if you text 231-231 and enter keyword Jimmy. It's 231-231 and you enter the keyword Jimmy. Texting enrolls you in a recurring automated text messages. Consent not required to purchase. Message and data rates may apply. The District Attorney of New York, under the auspices and direction of the Department of Injustice in Washington, D.C., was investigating me for something that is not a crime, not a misdemeanor, not an affair. I never liked horseface. I never liked... I never... It's just not. It's a terrible thing. That wouldn't be the one. There is no one. We have a great first lady... This is really prosecutorial misconduct. That's what it's called. The innocence of people makes no difference whatsoever to these radical left maniacs. The weaponization of our justice system is not, as some have called it, a political spectacle. This is the central issue of our time. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. That is Donald Trump referring to Stormy Daniels as a horse face. What the hell did you just say? (laughs) I didn't say it. He said it. These are wild times. But uh, Trump's take on Stormy Daniels and Alvin Bragg has become a point of consternation with his legal defense team. Here's Trump's attorney, Joe Tacopina. He was on Meet the Press yesterday sparring with Chuck Todd and the subject of Trump's truth social posts uh, came to the forefront of the conversation. Clip two. I'm not his social media consultant. Um, I, I don't, I think that was an ill-advised post that one of his social media people put up and he quickly took down when he realized the rhetoric and the photo that was attached to it. I'm not going to defend or, or condemn anything regarding social media. It's not what I do. I don't have anything to do. I'm not a Trump PR person. I'm a litigator and a lawyer. And I'm talking about this case in Manhattan, which is a a case that would not be brought for anyone other than Donald Trump. Okay. He's right though. And the problem here. For Chuck Todd, because Chuck Todd was apoplectic. Most of the media was. Oh, the rhetoric. The things the man is saying online. The media is a bunch of losers. They're not always ideal, uh, but the news flash there is they're also not a crime. 
you know, Trump using bad language to describe Alvin Bragg or Stormy Daniels or Ron DeSantis doesn't mean he is guilty of a federal campaign violation. In fact, all evidence indicates that he's not guilty of such a thing because the federal prosecutors had the chance to bring this case and decided not to. Now, you could say, well, he was a president. They didn't want to. No, that doesn't matter. Okay, when his presidency was over, they could have brought this case. Okay, the former New York district attorney had a chance to bring this case and punt it. So when Chuck Todd tries to make it about his language, he's already bringing it a step past the case. So it went from Russia, no, to Ukraine, no, to taxes, no, impeachment, no, selling classified information, no, Stormy Daniels, no. Now it's the guy uses bad language. And I'm just telling you, it's desperate time in the media. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, fired up to talk to this next guest. Everybody is, of course, waiting for him to get to the bottom of the Biden family business scandal. I'm still waiting for the winning horse in the Kentucky Derby, though. He's a superstar representative for the first congressional district in Kentucky, chair of the House Oversight Committee. James Comer is in the house. Hey, hey. Hey, Jimmy. So you're out there digging up this laptop, but have you taken time off of that mission to get me a horse pick yet? Man, I, my bracket was so bad, but I did pick Florida Atlantic in the final four. Did but, you? Uh, yeah, but it went downhill after that. Unbelievable, Comer. Uh, well, if, if it makes you feel any better, there's nobody. I mean, nobody has a bracket worth, unless you're using it to roll a cigarette. That bracket <laughs> paper is just absolutely useless. Um, let me run in right really quick because I saw you making the rounds yesterday about Alvin Bragg and how he has kind of crossed the streams, you know, with the federal prosecutors and everything in between. Are we nearing a day where he may, in fact, have to test? in front of you guys? Well, he doesn't have the luxury to decide whether or not he can come in front of Congress. When he decided to play on the on the federal level, then he became squarely in the congressional jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's trying a case with the current front runner uh, for the Republican nomination for president, not to mention a former president of the United States, on a case that the DOJ passed on, that the statute of limitations has clearly passed on, on campaign, on federal campaign finance law. I mean, our concern all along has been, under Merrick Garland, the Department of Justice has become weaponized, and here we have a situation where uh, we've got a a local DA uh, trying to indict a presidential candidate, and and we want to know if there's been communication between Merrick Garland. Is this a coordinated effort with with all the other legal actions? And just have some basic questions for Mr. Bragg. And uh, so far, he's 
been uh, defiant and, and uh, to say the least, unwilling to answer basic congressional questions. Yeah, well, one way or the other, it certainly reads like it's politically motivated, given what you just said right. about the Fed's passing and the previous New York District Attorney passing. But what I'm so interested in here, because people on the left, to their credit, have called this out, okay? We even have our former governor, who's not terribly popular here in New York, but even he said that it looked like a political persecution and people right. had reason to be cynical. But what I'm amazed at is the appetite in the media, because as we sit here trying to ring up Trump on the equivalent of a parking ticket, if it even rose to that, okay, there's really not an appetite to discuss what you unearthed last week, which is actual banking records that show the Biden family got how much from firms linked to China? Uh, Over a million dollars cash uh, from from a company, so to speak, directly linked to the Chinese Communist Party. Remember, Joe Biden said it wasn't true. He even said it wasn't true after we produced the the bank records. But at the end of the day, uh, Jimmy, they're going to have to – this was the first batch of bank records. Uh, We'll we'll keep bringing more bank records uh, from more banks with more quote-unquote deals that the Biden family made. And it's going to get to the point, even the mainstream media is going to have to talk about this because it's going to show that Joe Biden clearly has not been truthful with the American people. And every American should be scratching their head wondering, why did the Biden family get paid you know, millions and millions of dollars from the Chinese Communist Party. I mean, they're our biggest enemies. Uh, everyone in Congress, it seems like, in both parties want to ban TikTok. Yep. But yet the Bidens uh, can can just put in their pocket millions and millions of dollars from the Chinese Communist Party. I, I don't think so. And and it's something that unfortunately didn't get pressed outside of conservative media. Uh, but that was the first batch. We'll see what happens with the second. It's and fa- the third and the fourth. Wow, it's fa- it's fascinating stuff. We're talking to Representative James Comer of Kentucky. He, of course, the chair of the House Oversight Committee. By the way, when you get when you get bumped up to something like chair of House Oversight, did do they give you like new ties, new hair product? Like, how does that work? It sounds fancy. Uh, no, all I get arrows and bullets uh, aimed at me <laughs> from the media. Yeah. You, you, it's like you became Rodney Dangerfield. You remember the comedian is like, I get no respect, no respect at all. <laughs> we, 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 the, the thing that drives me crazy about the media when when I was announced after November the election that I was going to be chairman in January, they all called me conspiracy theorist, and they said, uh, you know, he he, he wasn't up for the job is conspiracy theorist that he he's trying to say the Bidens took money from China and everyone knows they didn't and uh then he said then he's trying to say COVID came from that lab in Wuhan. Everybody knows it came from a wet market. And then once this stuff starts coming out, yeah. they're like, well, now, you know, this is, uh, this could <laughs> be, the, the, the president didn't know anything about it. You know, the president, <laughs> the president's completely innocent in this. You, you know? know, the more you talk about this, the more I realize, circling back to the beginning of this conversation, maybe we should let the conspiracy theorists pick our, pick our March Madness brackets. Yeah, right. <laughs> They're like 10 and 0, man. This is unbelievable. Well, you know, another point then, okay, is Karine Jean-Pierre last week when faced with the fact that you would unearth these receipts, she famously said, we're not going to comment on this because it's been all lies up until now, which we both know it hasn't been. But my question to you is, you know, and you said this a moment ago, is the receipts are going to keep coming. Like, what do you think it would actually take? Because to be honest with you, they're being negligent when it comes to the well-being of our country to not acknowledge that this much money has changed hands. Yeah, I think it's going to take 
more bank records. Unfortunately, you know, if if there had been one dollar mm-hmm. that went from communist China to to Donald Trump's family mm-hmm. uh, for an undisclosed reason, then they would have been uh, drafting up impeachment papers. Yep. Uh, what we have here. Are, are millions and millions of dollars. And, you know, the Democrats, will, they'll always say, well, Jared Kushner did business with foreign countries. And I'm not I'm not speaking in support of that. But mm-hmm. I'll say this. I know what Jared Kushner's businesses were. Yeah. Uh, I know what Donald Trump's businesses are. My question to the Democrats, what are the Biden businesses? <laughs> I mean, that's what they said was a legitimate business expense. That's what his lawyer said, or his seed capital for a business. My question to them is, what business? Because I've been looking into this for several months, Jimmy, and I ain't found any business. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I found where they've been taking money and putting it in their pocket. Yeah. I haven't found any business. I haven't found any real estate. They don't manufacture anything. They don't have any employees. They don't sell anything. They're not licensed to be uh, lobbyists or foreign agents. So. I'm still trying to determine what business the Bidens are in other than influence peddling. Yeah, it doesn't really pass the sniff test. Maybe, maybe, maybe they needed storage for the classified documents that were on the floor of his garage. I mean, what do the crates go for in Delaware? Are they that expensive? I don't know. That's not good. Um, one more thing I'll throw at you because I know you've got a whole country to save right now. Um, are there timetables on stuff like this? Do you have an idea? of where this road's going to end, or are you just like at the tip of the iceberg in terms of what you guys are finding? I think we're at the tip of the iceberg. I'm following the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, we knew where several money trails were based on, uh, mm-hmm. I guess, whistleblowers yeah, yeah. that were in the, the Biden family sphere. But the bank records and the bank violations, Jimmy, are leading to more bank records and wow. more bank violations. So I think the money trail's bigger than we thought. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing I want to say, people keep saying this is about Hunter Biden. Mm-hmm. We found three and maybe four different Biden family members that got money on this first set of bank records. Wow. I think at the end of the day, there's going to be you know between five and seven Bidens the, that wow. were receiving substantial amounts of money from our adversaries, including communist China, for things that we, we can't determine what they were doing. And I don't think they would be giving them this money uh, were it not for uh, yeah. the big guy's help. So that's what this investigation is all about. It's the Biden family, and it's an investigation of Joe Biden. That's fascinating. And, 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 I, and I know it is. And, you know, whenever people try to bring up the whole, well, Hunter Biden's not the president, that's not the claim here. The claim is the guy who's the actual president, according to Hunter Biden's business partners, who are on record as saying he was getting a kickback. So let me ask you this. This is just speculative. This is just me and you doing a talk radio show now. Do you think there's any world where Biden keeps delaying this presidential announcement about running again because he's waiting to see what you guys find? I do. Wow. And if 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 it's as bad as as what we think and he's you know they never thought we would get the bank record jimmy mm-hmm. that's what the press uh, you know after they said i was a conspiracy theorist then when i got the gavel they said well you'll never get those bank violations treasury will never give you those bank violations no bank's ever going to give you the bank records wow they didn't know what we'd been you know negotiating mm-hmm. for for months leading up to this this is a credible investigation that that Everyone in the financial industry realizes has merit. That's why they're cooperating with us. And I think that the American people are going to see that, at the very least, 
the President of the United States has not been truthful with the American people about the extent to which he knew about his family's shady business dealings with communist China. Fascinating stuff. Last question. Have you given any thought to who might play you in the movie? <laughs> it'll be whoever the biggest redneck they can come up with. That's who it'll be. <laughs> They're hanging out there at a monster truck rally right now. Yeah, scouting. Somebody NASCAR sh- race. I love it. With his shirt off. <laughs> James Comer, the best. Well, keep fighting a good fight, man. I appreciate you giving us a minute. Thanks for having me. My man. There he goes. Representative James Comer. Whoever's out in the backyard right now shooting trash is going to play Comer in the movie about the Hunter Biden scandal. Oh, that's just so funny. But you know the point he made, and that's bombshell stuff, Mikey, that Comer says Biden is very well delaying the announcement of a reelection campaign because of what Comer might unearth in the coming weeks. Tell him like it is. Okay, it's probably the truth because this is the thing, man. And you, and this, it's just, you know, I'm speculating when I asked this question. But they're on the inside. They're getting the receipts. Like when they say, oh, the Bidens were doing business overseas, that's not speculative. They have bank receipts. Okay, they have bank receipts that show so far at least three Bidens received over $1.3 million from a company linked to communist China, and they don't know why. Okay, he believes you could see as many as six or seven Bidens when it's all said and done. But understand that there are 150 suspicious activity reports by the U.S. Treasury Department in this country filed against the Bidens under Barack Obama's administration. So when Obama was president alone, if you remember, Biden was his vice president for eight years. I don't remember that ever happening. But it did. And during those eight years, there were at least 150 times where the Obama Treasury Department was like, what's all this money for? This doesn't make sense. It's weird. We are flagging it as suspicious banking activity because it's hard to trace and it's impossible to ascertain what the money this big from these parties would be for. So you realize there is a there there. That's a massive liability for Biden, massive liability for a reelection campaign. And when you hear things like, well, you know, the midterms went better than they thought. So Biden's going to run again. And we were all like, come on, why are you going to do that to this man? But then we were told right after the State of the Union, if you remember, he unveiled his reelection slogan during the State of the Union. He said, we're going to finish the job. And, you know, every pundit was like, and we've got the beginnings of his reelection campaign. Finish the job is going to be the slogan. He said it right before the end. And he did say it right before the end. Do you remember the second to last line in the State of the Union where Biden goes, now's the time to choose between unity and that's what he said. We have a president that is clearly not all there. But he literally said that word, whatever that means. Go look it up. Go watch the clip. Unity and he said that because Biden sometimes makes the sign language interpreter shrug because he's not actually speaking English. He's making up words. The guy's a mess. And I wish him no ill will, no harm. But if they really compromised our country, it's a liability for everybody, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. My hunch is that they have. And the fact that we went from, well, this re-election is going to get rolled out within two weeks of the State of the Union. That's what we were told. It's going to be two weeks. OK, we're now almost two months beyond that speech. And they haven't set a date yet for him to roll out the campaign, which very well tells you two things. One 
They were probably looking into the idea of throwing Kamala off the ticket. But the problem in the age of identity politics is you can't replace a woman of color unless there's another woman of color. And right now in the upper leadership of the party, the only two women of color are Kamala and Elizabeth Warren. And Obviously, Elizabeth Warren runs into some liabilities if you run, roll out a DNA test between now and campaign launch. So I think they're going to stick with Kamala. But the other concern, and I do believe this is the chief one, is just how, just how much evidence Comer and the Oversight Committee has – And just how thoroughly they can prove that Biden lied to the public, because we know that he did. Biden said with a straight face on multiple occasions, I never spoke to my son once about his business dealings overseas. That's what he said. And then we got photos of Biden meeting with his son's business partners. Then we got emails. Hey, thanks for bringing your dad out last night. That was really nice. Then we got the voicemail from Joe to Hunter in which he said, hey, kid. I just read the op-ed in the New York Times about your businesses. Looks like you should be in the clear. Now, if he should be in the clear, wouldn't that mean Biden has to know a thing or two about his businesses? I think he's got a point. And that's the point, is that Joe Biden, your president, is completely full of A show so good, it's frightening. I got scared. I dropped my hot pocket. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, 888-788-9910. If you want to be a part of the show in the next hour, Chadwick Moore is coming by. I love having Chadwick on the show. He is going to be weighing in a little bit later on on a report from CNN about something called digital blackface. What the hell did you just say? CNN had an article out over the weekend saying that if you send a GIF, if you send an emoji, and this pretend character on the screen is not your color of origin, you are guilty of digital blackface. CNN is the worst. Are they ever? Because what they're basically saying is, we're now inventing racism. We're now inventing forms of racism. We on the left will never abide racial harmony. We'll go find new versions of what we pretend to be racism so we can get people worked up and keep society divided. It's really disgusting, and it's such an insult to the people who made the racial progress that we made, you know, in the civil rights era. You know, it took a lot of guts to go fight those Southern Democrats, to go protest against those Southern Democrats in the Jim Crow South. Okay, it took a full on societal upheaval to get us to an America that is, for all intents and purposes, there's, you know, not a more tolerant or inclusive society in the world than the one we happen to be living in. We're not perfect, but you don't get there if you don't acknowledge how much work you've done and progress you've made to get here. But the truth is, when we're sitting here inventing forms of racism, okay, inventing them, okay, nobody's guilty of digital blackface. It's absurd. Okay, you've never even heard of this term before yesterday. And that's the move. When you've got to explain why something is racism, what they're basically telling you is it's not racism. Correct the mundo. But because we're living in the death of shame, they'll come up with new metrics day in and day out. Because what politics has descended into in this country, in most circles, is an exercise in just convincing people who your opponent happens to be. 
That's what it comes down to. Digital blackface. And anyone who disagrees is a racist. So you better vote with my side because you don't want to be with those racists. That's what it all comes down to at the end of the day. And thankfully, they got ratioed on Twitter for this one because it was a complete and total scam. People aren't buying it, CNN, you dumb bastards. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it sure is. We are fired up. Big hour of Fox Across America coming your way with Jimmy Fallon. A fella who was not named... Uh, female Athlete of the Year. I was not honored by ESPN yesterday to celebrate Women's History Month. And, of course, a lot of you say, well, of course. Why would you be nominated to celebrate Women's History Month if you're a biological male? Well, here's the thing. Uh, that does not preclude me from making the Women of the Year list in the age we happen to be living in. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? People are worked up about this one. We're going to dive into it in this hour. We may hear from Molly Hemingway, senior editor at The Federalist. She's out and about doing Federalist stuff. Uh, but you're, of course, welcome to join as well. 888-788-9910. This is a show that does not discriminate politically. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what color you are. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how dumb you are. No, ma'am. You can be a Republican on the show, be a Democrat, be a Libertarian, be an Independent. We don't care. Just don't be a That is all. Just need a couple less of those, and we'd have a shot in life. But uh, we begin here at the tippy top of the hour. So yesterday, ESPN drew the ire of Twitter. Twitter not happy with ESPN. Why? Because it's Women's History Month. We're supposed to be celebrating women. And ESPN is running a special on Leah Thomas. That's not your mother. It's a man, baby. It is a man, baby, uh, if we're talking biologically. And uh, as ESPN is running this, NPR is getting ratioed on Twitter because NPR is reacting to a story that says trans women, meaning biological men, have been banned from competing against biological women in international track and field. Why? Because there are vast biological differences between the two sexes. That's true. That is true. And those sexes happen to give the men a major advantage. Well, yesterday, NPR tweeting, trans men banned from competing in women's sports despite almost no biological evidence. That distinguishes the two sex. Shut up! Will you shut up? Is basically what everybody on Twitter said because we know there are biological differences between men and women. Only girls can be the mummies. Only boys can be the daddies. Yes, sir. Noted transphobe and bigot Fred Rogers weighing in, weighing in about to rip up his, his cardigan. He ain't speaking at Berkeley anytime soon. Not with controversial, provocative takes like this. Boys are boys from the beginning. If you were born a boy, you stay a boy. Girls are girls right from the start. If you were born a girl, you stay a girl and grow up to be a lady. <laughs> Fred Rogers, okay? Not very popular with the liberal elites these days, okay? Who hear something like that, a boys are boys from the... That's not right. Actually, it is right. It's completely right. But what's going on in our society, they're manufacturing a civil rights movement right now, and it's a hard thing to watch. 
okay, and without even getting into the science, before we get into the science, okay, understand, nobody listening right now can point to a biological group of women, biological women, who've transitioned into men and started breaking record after record after record, winning every event they competed in by margins that would leave them in the middle of the pack were they to compete in their own, you know, in their own class biologically. You understand, Leah Thomas, as a man, wasn't one of the top 400 swimmers in the country competing as a man. Switches to a woman, if you will, and is now a top swimmer in the country. Number one, you go from 400 to number one. That's everything you need to know about whether one has an advantage over the other. But yesterday, ESPN, we talk about the era of cancel culture. Uh, Apparently, cancel culture has come for biological women, full on. ESPN aired a segment called Celebrating Women's History Month. And one of the people they chose to highlight was Trans University of Pennsylvania swimmer Leah Thomas. And people will say, oh, she just transitioned so she'd have an advantage so she could win. I transition to be happy, Thomas declared in the segment. Well, good for you. You have every right to be happy. But in terms of erasing women and wielding a physical advantage over them, the only reason you were ever given that right is because people were horrified to be on the wrong side of the outrage mob. People were horrified to stand up in the face of a massive social pressure campaign that said anyone who didn't accept that biological men were now women was a monster and a bigot and a transphobe and should be fired and banned from polite society. That's how it went down. But you understand, Leah Thomas, as successful as she was in swimming, never should have been swimming against biological females. Okay, the whole point of Title IX, the whole point of getting women equality in the world of competitive sports was to make sure they had a level playing field. Can you look out at a biological man on a podium and tell me the playing field is level when he's squaring off against women? The answer would be no. And everybody knows that. Okay, that's just reality. But nobody wanted to get screamed at and called a transphobe and a hate-filled bigot. They didn't want the J.K. Rowling treatment. You know, remember, J.K. Rowling simply agreed with Mr. Rogers and was like, no, this is silly. What do you mean? Biological men are biological men. Biological women are biological women. You can transition if that's what you want to dress up as, if that's what you want to identify as, but that doesn't make you the thing you purport to be. You know, at the risk of oversimplifying this, you know, your five-year-old kid might decide he's Superman, but I promise he can't fly. Do not throw him off the roof of the house. I know you're being told if we feel it, it must be true. If we feel it, we must give them gender-affirming care. You must give your five-year-old Superman-affirming care. You must. Throw him off the roof. He believes he's Superman, right? Shouldn't you be throwing him off the roof? Of course not, because you know better. What's the difference between a kid who thinks he's Superman and a kid who thinks he's a woman? Well, the truth is the parents didn't spend the kid who thinks he's Superman five years convincing him he's trapped in the wrong body and he's really a superhero. Okay, if your kid is trans at the age of two or three or four or five, it's because you made them trans. That's how it works. Kids don't get out of bed and go, I'm trapped in the wrong body. No, no, no. Kids are born after being trapped in another body. They spend nine months trapped in another body. Then they get out of that body and they're like, freedom! Although it's not as articulate. They're usually just crying and, you know, flexing their hands and farting and throwing up and freaking out and not knowing what the hell's going on because they were just inside a body for nine months. Now they're out in the world trying to make sense of it all. 
And people on the left are like, that child is trans. You can just tell. They're crazy. They're manufacturing a civil rights movement. Okay, and you understand in the age of incentivized victimhood where everybody considers it currency, if you can claim to be marginalized, okay, people on the left want trans kids. They're not doing it for the well-being of the kid. They're doing it for the well-being, the social clout of the parent. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. Oh, my kid's trans. And listen, if your kid's trans, let him be trans. If you grow up to be trans, pay for the surgery, transition, go live your best life. It's America. No one hates you. Nobody begrudges you that. But the idea that we should be pushing kids to transition before they've had the opportunity to fully develop is really negligent and harmful and barbaric. Okay, when you alter a body surgically, a young developing body, it is now going to have complications, health complications for the rest of its life. Okay, voluntary, willing, self-inflicted health complications. Okay, you're going to need more surgeries. You're going to need more meds. It's terrible. But the reason they are, you know, honoring someone like Leah Thomas is because they're trying to make this fashionable down ballot to younger kids, more palatable down ballot to younger kids to be encouraged to transition and get gender affirming care. That's what they tell you. Okay, um, you know, as someone who's watched a kid develop, as someone who has watched a kid just between the ages of 12 and 14, my son hated sports. He was playing Fortnite. Like his life depended on it. So all he was doing was playing Fortnite. Didn't want to go outside, didn't want to throw a ball, didn't want to shoot hoops, didn't care. Okay, and we didn't want to be those parents who decided to force sports onto our kid, you know, just because we liked them. Yeah, Jenny was a hell of an athlete growing up, and, you know, I played good ball and certainly bet good money on ball. <laughs> so, you know, I was always around sports. If I wasn't playing them, I was gambling on them. And the point is we didn't want to force our lifestyle onto our kid we had him in organized sports. Young, I coached his T-ball team. And uh, it's funny because when I coached T-ball, I was shocked by how serious the parents were. I ran into those parents who want something for their kids. They've decided their kid is going pro. Bradley's going to play in the major leagues. I'm like, Bradley's wearing a T-shirt in the pool. Can we slow down on the scouts? Can we just relax a little bit with the summer pitching camp? Maybe get Bradley to put down the bonbons first. But anyway, we really did have parents at T-Ball when we had the T-Ball draft that had scouted kids. Like, oh, we need some left-handed power. I'm like, dude, you scouted the kids? I scouted the moms. Hubba, hubba. I just want to know who's going to be in my bleachers if I'm waking up at 7 o'clock on a Saturday morning. I need a reason to be alive. But anyway, as I noticed then... There's a lot of overlap between, you know, the dad who decides his kid's going to be a pro athlete at the age of two, whether his kid even knows what a baseball is or not, and the dad or the mom who decides their kid's going to be trans, whether they have any idea what that is or not. People force ideology on their kids. It's just so common. But the idea that we should be engaging and encouraging in the barbaric surgical ideology on young developing bodies, I consider to be grotesque. But you take it a step later, you know, a step further to what it constitutes in adult life, which is the erasure of women. Leah Thomas, as a biological male who transitions into a woman, has every right to go swimming, has every right to compete as a swimmer. But you know who he should be competing against at that point? He should just be competing against other trans athletes. That's it. Okay? You don't want to be a man. You, you know, my biology isn't a thing. I'm done with being a man. You know, like Prince, the artist formerly known as Prince, the, the man formerly known or the woman formerly known as whatever. You become that. Just create your own category. Just let people swim in their own respective category. 
But the problem with doing that is there's no grievance. There's no civil rights movement. We'd all accept that in a second. If you said people who want to transition, if you're a woman who transitions into a man, you compete in the trans category. If you're a man who transitions into a woman, you compete into the woman's category. But do you know why they wouldn't do that? And this is my favorite thing about it is because, well, you understand the man transitioning into a woman and the woman transitioning into a man, they're transitioning into different categories. Oh, wow. Exactly. Because you're saying there's a difference between the two. And that's the scam. That's why people are mad at ESPN for honoring a man for Women's History Month. That's why they're laughing at NPR, just taxpayer-funded propagandists, for saying there's no evidence that male athletes have an advantage over female athletes when they compete. Oh, there's plenty of evidence. But we don't need a scientist. All we need is a medal podium to show us how a guy who's ranked 400 as a man is suddenly ranked number one as a woman is everything you need to know about the subject. the edge off one story at a time america needs to learn how to lighten up you're hanging out with jimmy Fallon on fox across america moments ago down in florida Ron DeSantis signing a parental rights bill into law On behalf of the Florida legislature, this is, of course, a mindset that Republicans are trying to adopt in the House of Representatives, a parental rights and education bill. Okay, this is what the Democrats characterized as a don't say gay bill. That's what don't say gay. Democrats are so full of crap. I've been talking about this for a year now. The bill, all the bill does is it bans you from teaching sex ed to kids between the ages of kindergarten and third grade. Because here's a newsflash. Anybody who wants to talk about sex to a kid between the ages of kindergarten and third grade shouldn't be allowed around a kid between kindergarten and third grade. Bingo, man. Bingo. Shouldn't be anywhere near. Okay, you're living in a world where if you talk to your coworkers about sex, you're fired. 
But if you talk to their five-year-old about sex, you're hired. Come on, man. We all know that's not the case. Kids are too young. We shouldn't be having these conversations. But they've been sexualizing children because part of this gender ideology that they were trying to force into the classrooms would bring a built-in political ideology. That's why they're behind it. I'm telling you, that boy's a genius. And because their political ideology is threatened... Okay, they went, I mean, all in. I played you some of the clips last week about DeSantis and the Don't Say Gay Bill, which, again, is called the Parental Rights and Education Bill. Never mentions the word gay once in the six pages of its text. Doesn't ban gay gay sex or trans sex. It bans all sex because, again, kids shouldn't be anywhere near it. But here is uh, Democrat Maxwell Frost on the House (laughs) floor saying that this bill will result in hate and death in schools. Clip 21. This bill is modeled after one that I know very well, uh, Florida's parental rights in the education law. Most of us know it as don't say gay. And don't say gay infringes on parents' rights, including LGBTQ plus and supportive parents. Bills like this make schools more hostile and make no mistake, it results in hate, bigotry, and yes, sometimes death of our students in schools. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. But they won't own the stupidity in this moment. You see, this is how they get stuff done. Pass the bill or people are going to die. It's anti-trans bigotry. No, it's not. It doesn't talk about sex or gender ideology of any kind. It doesn't say one type is bad, another type is good. It says all of them are off the table. You're talking about kids who still have nap time in kindergarten, who have cookies and milk. Hey, kids, who wants some cookies? Now that the cookies are done, who'd like to talk about chopping off their genitalia? Kids didn't ask for this. Adults are asking for them, and that's what's so reckless about it. But when you can't defend your position on the merits and you've got to resort to, people are going to die, you see. They're going to go out and kill people. The schools are going to be more hostile. No, they're not. Nobody has any proof of that. You know the old adage, when you have the facts, pound the facts. When you have nothing, pound the table. Put up or shut up. They can't put up, but they won't shut up. They'll just keep pounding because social pressure is all they have. It's not science. It's nothing here about the well-being of a kid. It's very much the well-being of a political ideology they're trying to push on your kids at a younger and younger age in hopes that they'll grow up to vote for their party. It's all it is. And it's barbaric and it's gross. And I'm just going to keep calling it out. You got some big testicles to pull this off, bro. Reality. With a bit of insanity, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. You bet it is. And we are coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, uh, a country that's taking a bit of a step back. As I report to you live right now, uh, we have confirmed reports of a female shooter who herself is dead, uh, but not before shooting three kids and three adults at a private elementary school in Nashville. Heartbreaking stuff. Uh, We're not here to politicize this. We don't have a lot of information, so we're not going to devote a hell of a whole lot of time to it in this moment. But we will continue to update the story as new details emerge. The only thing we can say in this immediate moment, uh, 
man, you know, you hear stuff like this, it breaks your heart. I have a kid who's sitting in a classroom right now, uh, and, you know, I can't imagine what these parents are going through. And uh, as a country, as a whole, it, it man, it's just such a broken feeling when something like this goes on. And there's always this knee-jerk reaction to politicize it one way. Oh, it's the right wing. No, you know, the only thing I can ever say in this moment is if you are a parent, okay, right now you have an opportunity to make sure you are part of the solution going forward, which is to be very present in the lives of your child and teach them right from wrong and own the parental responsibility. You know, we always hear like society's failing these kids and if only the laws went this way, we didn't elect that guy. It starts in the house, man. And the fact that we've gotten so far ahead of promoting stable upbringings, uh, the fact that we've gotten so far away of promoting the value of the nuclear family. I understand that everybody's going to be in a marriage that provides for something like that. Okay, but understand that it shouldn't be demonized if it is. We shouldn't be talking about, you know, things in the negative sense. We should be pooling our resources intellectually, emotionally, collectively to raise these kids in a society, you know, that does in fact champion personal responsibility, that, you know, teaches them that they are able to go out and change their own destiny without actually walking into a school and shooting at people, that there is, in fact, victorhood that's attainable for everybody. If I'm sitting here hosting a nationally syndicated talk show, you could train an ape to do this. You could do anything. Like, my success is supposed to inspire you. That's why I bring it up every day, is few people have done more with less than I have, okay? And, you know, I harp on that in this moment because I don't want to get into the politics of it all, but speaking to you as a parent, I do realize when I look out at the world that there are clearly a lot of parents that aren't pulling their weight when it comes to the well-being and the overall development of their kids. Okay, I would be absolutely positively shocked to find out that the shooter in this case came from a stable home that was supportive and filled with ambition on behalf of this woman who was a teenage girl from what we're being told who did the shooting. It's a bad moment. Okay, we will update the story as we move forward. Uh, But if you are a parent, You know, the one thing you owe to all of these grieving parents right now beyond your considerations and your prayers and whatever good vibes you can send them is a vow to yourself that you're going to do better with your own child. Okay, and that's the only thing I would offer in this moment. I want to move on because, sadly, uh, in addition to this tragedy, uh, we do have to play you a clip from AOC. AOC is a dope. A lot of people feel that way. But what AOC did yesterday, I mean, for her, you understand. AOC is, I always say, a low IQ TikToker who happens to serve in Congress. But up until yesterday, she wasn't actually on TikTok. She was cooking all her macaroni and cheese recipes on Instagram. She was live streaming on Twitter. She was telling you she's oppressed and the patriarchy and blah, 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 that whole thing. Okay, well, is everyone, everyone on Washington now wants to ban TikTok? And I'm going to play you clips from the Democrats. AOC went out yesterday and joined TikTok because she doesn't feel right about banning it. This is the biggest schmuck I've ever met. I mean, weapons grade stupid. Okay, I don't know that she went to lunch with a lobbyist, as Representative Jamal Bowman must have done last week when he said what? Well, now's not the time to be racist and to ban TikTok. That was his claim, clip 28. So let's not have a dishonest conversation Let's not be 
racist towards China and express our xenophobia when it comes to TikTok because American companies have done tremendous harm to American people. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. TikTok was not about racism towards Asians. It was not xenophobia towards Asians. It's that the Chinese Communist Party owns TikTok and they're spying on every user in this country, many of whom happen to be Asian, happen to be black, happen to be Latino, happen to be Muslim. There's 150 million Americans using TikTok. What do they all have in common? The Chinese Communist Party is spying on every one of them. That is correct. Here is their CEO being asked if they're spying on American citizens. He says, well, I wouldn't say spying is the right word. Here it is, clip one. The district attorney of New York under I screwed that up. It's clip 26. (laughs) Has ByteDance spied on American citizens? I don't think the spying is the right way to describe it. This is ultimately... We can differ on that. This is ultimately an internal investigation. Any TikTok. Did you hear that? Okay. Uh, Has ByteDance spied on American citizens? I don't think spying is the right way to describe it. No, we're just looking at their information, unbeknownst to them. You suck, you duckass. I mean, I wouldn't call it spying. It's more of like an eavesdrop. Do you remember in the movie Major League, the guy hits a home run, and they show the two guys in the bleachers arguing. The one guy goes, it's too high. And the other guy's like, what do you mean it's too high? Well, you know, the trajectory of the ball is across the wall and, you know, the rotation. And finally someone interrupts and goes, hey. Who gives a It's gone. (laughs) That's this moment. Would you say it's spying? Well, I don't know. Spying fits the definition so much as we're just looking at their stuff without. Hey, who gives a You're taking their information. Here is their CEO. He was pressed further on whether or not China has access to the data. And if you listen to this clip, I'm going to play. It's 30 seconds long. In the last sentence, he admits they do. He says, well, yes or no? Do they have the data? And he says, well, after Project Texas is done, the answer is no. Meaning right now, the answer is yes. Bingo. Here it is, clip 27. Yes or no? Do any ByteDance employees in China, including engineers, currently have (laughs) access to U.S. user data? Today, all um, U.S. user data is stored by default in the Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, and access to that is controlled by American personnel. Employees in China, including engineers, currently have access to U.S. data. Uh, Congressman, uh, I would appreciate this. This is a complex uh, topic. Today, all data is stored by default. It's not that complex. Yes or no, do they have access to user data? After Project Texas is done, the answer is no. You're a bald-faced liar, a liar. I mean, really think about that. After Project Texas is done, the answer is no. After it's done, the answer is no. Which means right now, the answer is yes. This is a Looney Tunes. Looney Tunes? That's all, folks. Okay, so understand that that's the CEO flat flat out admitting Okay, that yes, China has access to your data. Right now, today, they have access to your data. Here is AOC saying we can't ban TikTok, and she's joining out of solidarity, clip 23. 
usually when the United States is proposing a very major move that has something to do with significant risk to national security, one of the first things that happens is that Congress receives a classified briefing. And I can tell you that Congress has not received a classified briefing around the allegations of national security risks regarding TikTok. So why would we be proposing a ban regarding such a significant issue without being clued in on this at all? It just doesn't feel right to me. And additionally, this case needs to be made to the public. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Fair question to ask her. Okay, the CEO of the company just testified under oath that they're spying on us, that the Chinese Communist Party has access to our data. There have been briefings in the past, but why is she out there speaking out and joining TikTok out of solidarity? Because her name is A.O. Me. She's measuring each individual issue and saying, how can I, A.O. Me, get something out of this? How can I get some clout? How can I get some visibility? Well, if everybody in both parties says they want to ban it, I'm not really going to stand out. You understand Congress is her side hustle. Her main hustle is clicks. AOC is in the click business. She wants clicks. She wants likes. She wants views. That's why she's taken the stupid self-serving positions that she has. Do you realize AOC's district is one of the worst crime districts in all of New York City, where the murder rate is spiking, the black murder rate is spiking? Okay, here is AOC. You'll notice she goes third in this montage I'm about to play you, calling to do what? To help the soaring crime rate. Yes, I support the defund movement because this is about the the um, investment in our communities, which have historically been divested. Not only do we need to defund, but we need to dismantle and start anew. Why use the word defund? Why use the word defund? And it's like, this is the word that's coming from the streets. Oh, you're an idiot. Okay, so you understand she was out there saying, why use the word defund? This is the word coming from the streets. Well, now that it's backfired and cities are restoring money to the municipal budgets on behalf of police, is AOC revisiting this issue on any level? The answer would be no. Any apology to the deaths caused or the distrust and the fuel she pumped onto the fire between cops and the communities she divided? The answer would be no. No, because it's AOC. She doesn't care about the constituents. AOC's signature accomplishment as a congresswoman is killing thousands of high-paying Amazon jobs in her district because she wanted everybody to believe she was there to fight the rich. I'm fighting the rich, you see. She is a fraud, a phony, a woman without a moral core, a regular two-faced, mealy-mouthed politician who swings with the wind. Think about that. I'm fighting the rich by making sure nobody else becomes rich. I don't get it. But that's what she did. She killed the Amazon deal. Okay, she's defunded police, led a charge in New York City. They cut a half a billion dollars in the summer of 2020 from our police budget. That's stupid. Use your common sense. Well, it wouldn't have been done without people like AOC. So in this moment where the CEO of China is like, I don't know, the CEO of TikTok's like, yeah, 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 we're spying. Yeah, yeah, we see your data. And everybody's like, no, you can, what, we can't have TikTok around. Hell no. Here's AOC saying, I'm on TikTok side. Because, like, something doesn't feel right about this. Meaning if it just gets banned and we have bipartisanship, she doesn't have relevance. Here's Mark Warner. He's a Democratic senator. Flat out saying the CEO couldn't answer the basic questions. Clip 25. We're now up to 22 senators, 11 Democrats, 11 Republicans. We've had strong interest from the House. I think they wanted to get through their hearing. 
And clearly, uh, while I appreciated Mr. Shu's testimony, he just couldn't answer the basic question. At the end of the day, TikTok is owned by a Chinese company, ByteDance, and by Chinese law, that company has to be willing to turn over data to the Communist Party, or, and one of my bigger fears, we got 150 million Americans on TikTok, average of about 90 minutes a day, and how that channel could be used for propaganda purposes. I got a bad feeling about this. And that's basically what everybody is saying on both sides of the aisle in Washington, especially when you realize China doesn't utilize TikTok in its homeland the way it does here. It's an academic learning tool in China. Here it's, you know, anti-American propaganda, all kinds of stupid challenges that are kind of thinning out the herd because dumb kids, sadly, getting hurt and injured. You know, the the Kool-Aid challenge, we talked about it last week where – you run through a fence like your Kool-Aid, you know, how Kool-Aid roller skates through a wall in a commercial. Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, if your kid's running through a fence because of something he saw on TikTok, your kid's going to have problems with or without TikTok in his life. But the point is, this is an app that we know is being used to manipulate our youth into spending as much time on it as possible. So, one, they can, you know, exploit that time by selling advertising, but two, so they can steal their data. The TikTok user agreement gives them the ability and permission to harvest your biometric data. It records your keystrokes, which means if you're on the TikTok app, okay, it's recording your keystrokes on the rest of your device. So if you go on a banking site and you bank online, guess who has your password and information? China does. Okay, anybody with half a brain knows that's not a good thing. But half a brain and AOC will never be in the same room at the same time. is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Chadwick Moore is coming up in the next hour. Right now, Alex batting leadoff in Brooklyn, New York. Yo, Alex! 
Hey, Jimmy, thanks so much for taking the call. How are you doing? Good, good, man. It's under control. Big Monday. I'm doing Gutfeld later as a guest, not as a host. Sorry to disappoint the American people, but I'll just be guesting. Uh, come on. I was hoping for more Stop serious vision. But um, <laughs> the thing about AOC, I think there's another aspect to what you, what you were talking about. Mm. Obviously, she wants to be the most radical Democrat, mm. but I also think that you have 150 million Americans that are using TikTok, mm. and like 60 million of them around, I would say, are living off that platform because they feel good over there. Everywhere else, they feel horrible. And so what some Democrats are trying to do and why they're opposed to banning TikTok, they want to get these people that their lives are going to fall apart if TikTok is banned to vote for them um, against the Republicans because they're going to be saving TikTok, and that's the Democratic Party. So you're saying they're going after that youth vote that's on TikTok because that's, you know, they were asked about that last week, how it, you know, not even asked. Jen Psaki was talking about it on her show. She was like, yeah, TikTok's the devil. Everybody wants to ban it. But there's a lot of young people there. And I think that's, you know, one of the cold, hard truths of right now is there are a lot of people that know China is spying on young people and stealing their data, but they don't care about the young people or their data. They just care about their vote. And I don't think TikTok is where they would draw the line. You know what I'm saying? So I think your analysis is spot on. I may I may have to send you my uh, Gutfeld stories later. Maybe you can do my talking points. Oh man, thank you very much. Also, the the thing about the trans thing, two years old, two year old, they're, they're, they want to get Democratic voters by getting young people. Oh, to totally. Trans- no, Al, you're spot on. I really might send you the talking points now. We got to go. <laughs> Live from everywhere, USA. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh yes, it sure is. We got a big hour of Fox Across America coming your way. Chadwick Moore, senior editor over at The Spectator, damn good friend of this show, is going to stop by to discuss a pretend problem called digital blackface. This problem, of course, foisted onto society by the cultural arsonists over at CNN. People aren't buying at CNN, you dumb bastards. No, they're not. And it looks especially ridiculous on a day like today where we're dealing with some real problems in this country, not the least of which is a school shooting down in Nashville, a story that just absolutely breaks your heart. Uh, Seven people, all told, are dead at a Tennessee elementary school. It is a private school where a 28-year-old female shooter uh, has taken the lives of three children as well as three adults before she was ultimately killed by police. So seven dead all told, six of them victims, one of them the shooter herself. There were initial reports that this was a teenage girl. The story has been, the reporting has since been amended to include the fact that she is believed to be 28 years old. She was carrying two uh, guns as well as a handgun, uh, you know, two bigger guns as well as a handgun. She had entered through a side door in the school, and sadly, we now have seven deaths to speak to. What the hell is the world coming to? I always feel a responsibility in moments like this where we break into this immediate political knee-jerk reaction. You know, go after the legal gun owners or the NRA or the Republicans. Certainly people on the right have their issues with people on the left in moments like this. But I think we owe it, you know, collectively to the victims uh, to let this moment belong to them. I mean, people are grieving. People are getting unimaginable phone calls right now. Nobody wants to hear your political lecture. They just don't. I understand we all want to solve this problem. We all want to live in a world where it's no longer a thing. 
But the first step towards doing that is to prioritize the people doing this as opposed to the people who didn't participate in this in any way, okay? And what I mean by that is this 28-year-old woman went into a school today and shot at people. It was in a lobby area of the school. She shot at people, killed three kids, killed three adults. The cops ultimately shot her, so they handled her individual problem. But as a whole, there is something going on in our society that is prompting people to go out and do this. You know, it's some form of mental illness. You know, it's some form of emotional decay that these people have to be suffering from. And we're kidding ourselves. If you think you could just pass more laws and make this sort of thing go away, these are broken people. And you understand the laws ultimately wind up restricting the rights of the people who follow them. The criminals aren't deterred by law. It was illegal to shoot people in a school today. She did it anyway. So you understand you could tell me, well, you know, you want to make it harder, though. Don't you just want to make it harder for them to get a gun? The sad reality is there are three times as many guns in this country as there are people. Uh, It takes nothing to get one. I can just tell you this is a former New York City cab driver. And And vice in this city is no different than vice anywhere else in the world. If you can think of it, somebody can get it for you. Okay, you could tell me as a cab driver that you needed a circus elephant. And I could have one for you within three hours. Probably not the elephant. I could have a commitment, a firm commitment from a buyer who could deliver the elephant within like an hour. You'd probably get the elephant itself physically within four to five hours. I mean, I get anything. I can just tell you vice is so extent, (laughs) extensive, underground, on the deep web, offline, that it sucks to say this. But if somebody with a mental illness you know, like this woman wants to get their hands on a gun, there are ways for them to do it regardless of what the law says because, again, they're not going to follow those laws. Now, it is incumbent upon people who have access to guns legally to, of course, protect them to the utmost extent to limit the access of anybody who might ultimately be a problematic, you know, shooter. Okay, but we don't have those details yet, so I don't have a boogeyman to go after, okay? We're not going after the NRA or the legal gun owners because they're the ones that want to defend themselves, as is their right, against people like this. They are not the bad guys here, nor will they ever be the bad guys in my eyes, and they shouldn't be the bad guys in your eyes. Okay, you look around the world at what governments are able to do with a de-armed population, disarmed population, and uh, it never ends good for them. You can't point to one society where, like, in the long run, they wound up being a little bit better off. There weren't moments where they didn't wish they were armed or at least had the ability to, you know, make the government respect them and their rights. And I'm not calling for any type of uprising or a war or a militia or anything in between. But what I am telling you is we now know the 28-year-old shooter was killed by police after she killed six people. She's the bad person here. Okay, she's the person we should be concerned with is how do we deter future people from like her from acting out on whatever this broken emotional state is they happen to find themselves in? That's the short term fix. Okay, yes, people can find other ways without a gun. They make bombs. They use knives. I understand some weapons don't have the capabilities that others do. But the point is, if we just keep going after the law, if we just keep going after the gun owners that are doing this legally, we're kidding ourselves into thinking that the people out there who want to do harm 
are getting smaller in number. That's the problem. You can't legislate away someone's bad intentions. You can't do it. Sucks to say. I wish there was a bill you could sign. But every single one of these shootings that goes on, you know, they happen in states like we just dealt with this in California. California has the strictest gun laws in the world, okay, in the country anyway. And when you understand when things go on like this in Illinois, you know, they try to tell you, well, you know, they brought the guns in from another state. It's not necessarily the case, number one. But number two, the point being is nine times out of ten, we find that people have guns who shouldn't have them under the eyes of the law, might have committed prior offenses that weren't properly enforced, might have, might have violated gun ownership rules in the past, but there was nobody in place to oversee that and properly enforce whatever the law happened to be. You know, but the answer in this moment is yes, everybody feels helpless. They want to do something about it. You know, you want to feel like you're part of the solution. The solution in, in this moment is to let it belong to the victims and to think long and hard about what's going on in our society where people like this act out on this broken state they happen to be in. The reason I'm not saying this woman's name by name, uh, I don't have it yet, but even if I did, I wouldn't use it, is because I do feel like on some level there's like this perverse incentive system in this country where someone who is irrelevant and doesn't feel heard and feels bullied and sometimes feels ignored or whatever they're feeling in between realizes, well, if I act out and I kill a bunch of people, my name will be all over the news. Look, there's my Facebook profile. Now they're interviewing my friends, my old coworkers. You know, we've seen this in the past. That lunatic that shot up an elementary school up in Sandy Hook, you know, had spreadsheets on all the other mass shooters, the type of weapons they used, how many people they killed, mindful of all the coverage they got and how relevant they became. You know, we live in this disgusting society right now where there really is no such thing as bad publicity. I know that's an adage that's been around a long time, but in this day and age where we're beyond shame, we're living in the death of shame, people just want to be relevant. Hey, look at me. People are talking about me. This is a big deal, except they're talking about you for all the wrong reasons. And I think there's something going on right now as it pertains to social media and how it's rooted everybody into a popularity contest. You never just consume content anymore. You never just post content anymore. You never share a thought without being reminded of how popular or unpopular your thought happens to be. You know, there's a like button next to everything you say. You never consume a piece of content without being reminded of how popular or unpopular it happens to be. I think it's engendering an inferiority complex in a lot of people. And I also think it's incentivizing attention for all the wrong reasons because people are acting out. People are fighting to be seen because we've been taught that visibility equals some type of success. You know, and that's the part that really frustrates me is there's a lot of different directions you go in in a moment like this. But a lot of the right reasons you go into them are for emotion or for wanting to do better. But, you know, your emotions are never the best compass. So when you're operating from a place of emotion, your heart's ultimately corrupting your brain. That's why they tell you in sports you're never supposed to bet on your favorite team, you know, because you're betting with your heart and not your brain. It's no different than legislation. Okay, I always say when it comes to politics, a lot of people on the left have gotten so emotional it denies them self-awareness. They act out without any regard for the fact that they might sound crazy to rational people who aren't in their mindset right now. And that happens whenever there's something like this going on. People who genuinely want to make a difference 
you know, are susceptible to these arguments about gun ownership and confiscation and everything in between. But in the long run, that's not better for us as a country. And it certainly won't do anything in the short run to aggrieve these victims or their families. So the call I make in a moment like today is one for restraint. Okay, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll go on offense, but we're not going on offense about this. CNN just tried to pump a pretend racism story into the bloodstream, and it's the kind of thing, man, as somebody who cares about society, who actually wants there to be some type of a balance that minimizes the division, minimizes, you know, the moments like the one we're living in right now where someone felt ignored and acted out or someone felt like they were, you know, they were avenging some type of societal grievance. You know, we're a long way from getting there, but a good starting point would be to stop making up racism. So we're going to speak to that when we come back because the champ is not happy. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, it is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon bringing you back to the luxury hunting club. Remember I talked to you about this last week. You've probably heard of these hunting clubs where you can pay a gazillion dollars to go hunt deer in the woods where there's like three million deer in a one-mile area. Like it's impossible to physically not get a deer. You know, in this particular moment, uh, we're going on a stupid hunt, and you can't look in any direction in this article I'm about to read you and not get some stupid, okay? A cultural arsonist over at CNN, we're talking about analyst John Blake, making a claim over the weekend, okay? It's an article that was published yesterday. He's trying to make the claim that a white person posting a gif of a black public figure amounts to digital blackface. What the hell did you just say? Here's the article. Okay, Maybe you shared that viral video of Kimberly Sweet Brown Wilkins. It's a black woman. Telling a reporter after narrowly escaping an apartment fire, ain't nobody got time for that. Perhaps you posted that meme of supermodel Tyra Banks exploding in anger on America's next top model. I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. That was the claim. Or maybe you've simply just posted popular gifs such as the one of NBA great Michael Jordan crying. Or drag queen RuPaul declaring, girl, according to Blake, if you, a white person, posted content with a black person in it, you have engaged in digital blackface. This is the biggest schmuck I've ever met. It's a cultural arsonist. Digital blackface can essentially be defined as an exaggerated, racialized reactions. Mocked at the expense of the person committing the action or uttering a particular phrase or more specifically, white people mocking blackness. No, what they're saying, are you ready for it, is this black person said something in a funny way that is applicable to the current conversation. Ergo, I am sharing their comments as my own. It is not being shared to denigrate the black person in the meme. It's being shared because this is a really funny comment. In this context, it is better than anything I could say out of my own mouth. That's the whole point. You are correct, sir. He goes on to write, teen Vogue author and cultural critic Lauren Michelle Jackson, who identified the alleged form of stereotyping as some white people's tendency to view black people as walking hyperbole and granting black characters or personalities no subtlety in media portrayals. Dude, when you have to explain to a society 
why something is racist, here's a newsflash. It ain't racist. Oh, you're right. And when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. Okay, it is so insulting and denigrating to the efforts and sacrifice and protest and arrests of the people in this country who confronted, like, real racism. I'm talking about separate lunch counters, separate schools, separate stores, separate buses. Okay, people risk their lives to overcome the bigotry, the Southern Democrats, the Dixiecrats were forcing on society prior to the Civil Rights Act being passed. Okay, what people did to take on the Democratic Party in those moments and get us fully integrated, get us to a place where we did feel like we were living with some level of equality, okay, they risked their lives. When you start setting fires, which is what this writer did, this is cultural arson, cultural arson. You set a fire in the culture where we previously didn't have an issue for the sole purpose of telling everybody else what a virtuous, decent person you are. Claiming valor, claiming currency politically. Oh, look what I did. I took on the digital blackface. And most people don't know what digital blackface is. They've never heard of it before yesterday. But they had to go look it up because this became part of the conversation. This is where you realize the gig. Okay? In this moment, we can't have racial harmony to some people on the left. Okay, they don't want to solve racial grievances. They absolutely positively want to run on racial grievance. Democrats just call everyone racist so they go along with their stupid ideas. Totally. And this was the tell. When you start inventing new forms of racism, it means we've overcome all of the previous forms that needed to be eradicated. Okay, you cannot hold a job anywhere in polite society. If you publicly espouse views of bigotry towards any class of people, white Christians probably, you're probably not going to get fired for that, but any other race of people, there is no world in polite society where you could go on Instagram without and say, I don't like these people and here's why, and not lose everything. Someone would dox you, they'd pressure your employers, you'd be gone in a second. And you know what? If you were outwardly that racist, you should be gone. But the point is, we are the most tolerant and inclusive society on earth. People now fake minority ethnicity to increase their chances of getting accepted into a school. Think about that. No one's pretending to be white so they have a better chance of getting into some type of school program. I think he's got a point. Yeah. The point is, we've become so bigoted, people now fake minority status to increase their chances of getting ahead. Okay, Elizabeth Warren didn't pretend to be a white woman way back when. She pretended to be a Native American. That was the claim. Why do you do things like that? You're like a crazy person. Because she was trying to get ahead on this grift of racial grievance. And I think it's one of the biggest challenges facing us right now is that there are people out there who want this level of division. They can't allow for us to get along. The vast, vast, vast majority of society is so far past race. Why? Because it's a byproduct of ignorance. People hate things. They fear things that they don't understand. When we integrated society 50 years ago, okay, people came to the realization that the only race is the human race. We all want the same thing. Black, white, Asian, Muslim, Latino, Pokemon, Pikachu, doesn't matter. Whatever you identify as, doesn't matter. The point is, 
We all want the same things, okay? You want to make a little bit of money. You want to have a couple of laughs. You want to eat some good food. You want to keep your family safe. And at the end of the day, when everybody's gone to bed, you'd like to get a little something-something in the bedroom if you're picking up what I'm putting down. Oh, yes. I've read about that in the Bible. It's the morning show that uh, overslept. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I got to warn you, folks, I'm a big fan of this next guest, but when we always vet them before we have them on, make sure they haven't run afoul of polite society. And usually if you hear someone's voice on this show, it's because they either went through a call screener or they went through some type of extensive online vetting process. But in this instance, the charges, the violations are being invented in real time. I have no way of knowing if this next guest has ever engaged in digital blackface. But joining us now to either confess to the crime or dismiss these allegations one way or the other, uh, editor at The Spectator and a damn good friend of the show, at least up until now, Chadwick Moore is back on the show. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. What's up, Jimmy? How you doing? I don't know. Am I talking to a scofflaw in the eyes of CNN? You know, I don't want to live in a digital ethno state in my <laughs> private communications. So, yeah, I use um, the whole color of the rainbow and all the genders in my emojis. I, mean, <laughs> I thought that's what we were supposed to do. Duh. So here's the thing, Chadwick Moore, and this is where I love this crime so much, this made-up fake, because it's, it's cultural arson. They're clearly setting these fires so they can claim some type of valor or virtue for saying, look, I was the one who defended us against uh, this crime I made up 30 seconds ago. But when we engage in that type of a meme, we are actually saying, hey, this is a really funny comment put into this context. It's better than anything I could say myself. So I'll defer to Tyra Banks on this one. Isn't it actually a form of approval? Oh, I lost I mean, you. Yeah. Very well said. Exactly. Boom. Uh, and one thing also is if, if someone has to lecture you about why something's racist and they have Yo. to bust out CNN and get experts, that's probably your first indication that it's absolutely not racist. Oh, it's because so Because it has to be explained to you. It's so true. <laughs> it's like, do you remember in the summer of 20 when they were telling us about like unconscious bias? Like, I know you can't see the racism, but it's there. I'm like, dude, what is this magic? Like, what, what are you talking about? But that's what's going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so true. And it's, it's uh, I mean, it's just so amazing. And to think that you, what you're just supposed to ignore, the, if you're using a, a gif of a mm-hmm. black comedian or actress or, or mm-hmm. famous beloved personality. Yes. Are you just supposed to pretend that person doesn't exist? Is yeah. that a part of the American fabric? Yeah, no, they, uh, don't, they don't matter now. We're not, no, you're not supposed to approve of them. You're not supposed to approve of them. But that's the point. It's like they're resegregating us because they're now denying you the right to uh, actually acknowledge Okay, the the latitude that these people have in our society is accepted in beloved entertainers. But here's my question to you, Chadwick. Okay, you're hip to the hip talk. Isn't this just a fancy way of them saying they can't have racial harmony? So if it seems like we've got some, we need to go make a new a new lane of discord. Yeah. Is there anything that the left wants less than racial harmony? That's exactly right. The one thing they don't want is the kumbaya of the races, because what else do they have after that? Have you ever been? So this is the, this is a great point, Chadwick Moore. We're talking to Chadwick Moore. Everyone who's ever been in a relationship has been in a moment where you realize someone just wants to be in a fight right now. Like you come home and you're like, <laughs> you, and you, you know what I mean? Where they're like, you didn't take out the garbage. You're like, no, no, I did. 
And like, no, you didn't. You're like, here is a video that shows me taking out the garbage. Here it is from three angles. Uh, in high def, standard def. Here's a forward cam. Here's a side shot. And you're like, well, it's not about the garbage. It's about how you talk to me. And in that moment, you go, oh, I get it. Someone had a bad day. They just want to get into a fight. Okay. That's what digital blackface is. It's You didn't take out the garbage. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. It's such a scam. And that's exactly what's going on here, Chadwick Moore. And I know this. And that's the scam. But let me ask you one other thing, because you do know things, Chadwick Moore. Um, I mean, how out of touch are you with the needs of black America when this is the hill you're going to war on? And with all the other issues facing America as a whole, not just black America, but America as a whole. Who could look at this country and be like, but more importantly, somebody just posted a DJ Jazzy Jeff meme and I am not going to have it. Yeah, I I hope we get the man on the street video of uh, asking uh, black people in New York City, what do you think about digital blackface? And is this on the top of your concerns for your community? <laughs> and have you ever used a white emoji? Yeah. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say they have. And that's the point. First of all, no one even knows what digital blackface is. People think that's the rap group that sang the Humpty Dance. <laughs> <laughs> It was actually Digital Underground for those people keeping score at home. But the point is, it's a made-up problem. And I like I make fun of this, but it also is a means of acknowledging to this audience just how good we are as a society in terms of tolerance, in terms of acceptance. When you're making up racism, wouldn't you say, like, we've moved the ball pretty far down the field? Yeah, this is your biggest concern. I think that we should be pretty proud of ourselves with uh, exactly how little racism, real racism exists in our country. And, and we are remain the least racist society on earth. I mean, yeah. go to any other country and uh, you'll hear some pretty shocking things that they say about other races. Ooh, go to go to any other taxi. I have heard. I, I didn't know this. OK, this is funny. But when I was prior to being a cab driver in New York City. Um, I I didn't realize, like, because, you know, you're raised in this country to believe it's white and black racism and that's it. White and black racism is really like a mom and pop compared to stuff that's out there in, like, (laughs) the Asian community and the Latino communities. But I didn't know that until I became a cab driver. And I was like, wow, we got nothing. We're like, we got to, like, step up our game. Oh, man, Chadwick Moore. Um, Yeah, I've I've had some... uh some cab drivers from immigrants from Africa who had really racist things about American born black people. And you'd never hear white people say that stuff. No. So it real racism is a very um, rich and complicated fabric. And I think you're right that uh, white and black racism isn't really uh where you hear the most racist stuff. No, it's not. And the point is we know it exists, but in our society, we're now living in an America where people fake minority status to get ahead. That's how non-racist we are. Like the playing field has actually slanted the other way where you have a better chance of getting accepted to a school as a minority student. And that, I think, is the racket is like we're ignoring all the big mile markers because the people who are in the grievance mafia, you know, grievance is just going to grieve. But I want to ask you about one other thing. Well, I got you here, Chadwick Moore. Okay, while you've taken time out of your busy schedule of digital blackface. I, did you by chance see NPR uh, in the tweet that they posted and then corrected about there being no evidence that biological men have an advantage in women's sports? 
I, I did see that they had to, because of the, the Twitter, um, what's it called, like the community The, the ratio and the community oh, notes, wow. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, but this is what I wanted to ask about that, okay? Because I feel like it falls under the same umbrella. Is the easy fix to, like, biological men competing against women, I think, would just make, uh, make another class for athletes that are trans. You know what I'm saying? So instead of men transitioning to women and beating them in every event or women transitioning to men and losing in every event— wouldn't it be good to just have a trans division? But is that not going to be accepted because it takes away the grievance and like the manufactured civil rights struggle? Well, yeah, you can't fundraise off of that. That just seems a little too fair. And then that's, you're, that's you just know. a track meet with two people running in it. That's all that is. Yeah. <laughs> all too true. Yeah. You, you, yeah. You can't fundraise off that. And, and of course, now you're just denying the whole premise of the made-up uh, argument, which is, of course, there is no difference between transgender women and, and real women. It's one in the same, of course, naturally. Right. So they don't need a, a separate um, league of their own. <laughs> That's a, that would be a good spinoff, though, a Tom Hanks league of their own. Yeah. <laughs> a league of their own. Yeah. Instead of, but instead of, and there's no crying in baseball. There's like, there's no penises in women's baseball. You know that whole thing. <laughs> oh, Chadwick. We need to write this. <laughs> you, yes, we need to write this and get banned from Hollywood immediately. Who knows? We might, <laughs> exactly. we might be accepted. Uh, and somebody else, I know you're a huge fan of AOC, and you're always defending her online. So let me just give you the forum to do so. <laughs> So last week, after everybody, literally to their credit, everybody in Washington was like, we got to ban TikTok. They're spying on us. They're stealing their data. Okay. Representative Bowman from the great state of New York came out and said, now's no time to be racist or xenophobic, which tells me, you know, he should have at least wiped the crumbs off his jacket from the lobbyist lunch he had before the hearing. But then then AOC said earlier today, she's joining TikTok out of solidarity with TikTok. Is there anyone more shameless than, than AOC? I really don't think so. Uh, the uh, you know the, the the progressive lefty who's all in for the war on, in Ukraine and funding that, which I really don't think her base is, to be yeah, honest. No chance. She's really we're really watching her become Washington swamp material, aren't we? Which is it's, kind of kind yeah. of wonderful to watch, actually. It, it's, it's, <laughs> I know because it's so funny because she wants to fashion herself as punk rock, but yeah, she votes with Pelosi like ninety nine point nine percent of the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's pretty amazing to see her standing up for the Communist Party of China. But why is it also, like, not surprising in, the, in a weird way that these people are so unindividualistic and have, such, have no unique thoughts in their brain or opinions? They just know that if the right is for something, they have to be against it. Oh, and so they true. don't even give two thoughts as to what exactly they're supporting or maybe – she does know what she's supporting, and that's even more terrifying. Yeah, I don't. I don't. It's 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 fascinating to me because like everything that's a signature accomplishment for her comes to the detriment of her constituents, like killing Amazon jobs, defunding police. Uh, certainly, this you know, her support for the war in Ukraine. I, if you actually polled people in her district, I believe more people are concerned about digital blackface than the war in Ukraine. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. I I lived in her district for a brief moment, and well, first of all, there's no way in hell she's ever even lived in that district. No. And uh, most of the people in her district, a huge number in her district, are undocumented illegal aliens. They probably don't even know who their representative would vote for. 
So I'm sure knowing her district quite well, no one in that district is too concerned about Ukraine, nor do they think that we should be spending money there. Oh, it's crazy. But if they but they would never voice those fears because they or concerns because they would be called a Putin puppet and politely right. pistol whipped out of polite society. It's just such a dumb time to be alive, I think, is what we're trying to say. Yeah, it really is. We're in agreement on that. <laughs> <laughs> Chadwick, look, we found harmony. See, on this show, harmony is still a viable commodity because nobody, <laughs> nobody is trying to fundraise off this show. Oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> Somebody's trying to sell meth to my biggest fans, but that's about it. I don't know if that qualifies as fundraising. Um, that we were told right, right before you came on the air, there's one more witness meeting with the Trump grand jury. My, cons- my, my question to you as a guy who now lives in New York and spent some time here is the scuttlebutt last week was, well, if Trump gets indicted, people are going to show up and trash New York. My question to you is if people show up here tomorrow to trash New York, aren't they going to think someone beat them to it? <laughs> They're going to show up and be like, oh, yeah, it already happened. <laughs> Back up and go home. Antifa, they're like, we bust all the way here. We dyed our hair blue. We put on the matching <laughs> uniforms. Apparently there's some other group that got busted in the middle of the night and already wrecked it for us. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. What a fascinating time to be. Chadwick, we appreciate you as always. We'll do it again soon, girlfriend. All right. Thanks, girlfriend. You're the best. There he goes. The legendary Chadwick Moore. God, I love him. He's so much fun. And uh, he tells you the truth, man. All of these grievances can't go away because you can't raise money off harmony. So think about, I always come back to the summer of 2020, the George Floyd video. Every single person who watched that video was like, nope, can't do it. The cop said so. The supporters of the cop said so. You said, no, you can't kneel on a guy's neck for eight and a half minutes. doesn't matter if he's resisted arrest. Okay, if the guy is handcuffed and stomach down, that cop should be charged. We all agreed. And he was indicted, and he was well on his way to getting charged, and the system ultimately worked. But we couldn't have, we couldn't have consensus in that moment. It's not viable in an election year. So what did, the, what did the fork in the road become? Well, it wasn't Derek Chauvin who knelt on the neck of George Floyd. It was all of America. We're systemically racist. Every single one of us, every single cop, that's the line in the sand now. It's not about agreeing whether or not George Floyd is racist. It's about agreeing or or Derek Chauvin is racist. It's about agreeing whether or not every single cop in America is racist. And if you're not on the side of saying they all are, then you yourself are the racist. And that's what it became. Consensus is not viable. That's why I get on the air every day and I'm like, hey, man, just be cool. The best thing you can do is be cool. Don't join a rage mob one way or the other. Don't try to cancel anybody. Don't act out in the moment because all of this herd mentality stuff is stupid. Okay, but it's ultimately not only stupid, but it's detrimental to our well-being as a society that major cities cut police budgets, cut training. Okay, and most importantly, cut support for the people doing the most important job in society, which is police work. Okay, I tell you this all the time. We don't have a crime problem. We have a stupid problem. Cops could solve crime, fight crime tomorrow. Okay, take the gloves off, let them do their jobs. The problem is stupid people weaponize the narrative that the cops were a bigger threat to the community than the people they were sworn to protect us against. And a lot of stupid people went out and voted for those stupid people, which is why we can't have nice things. What the hell is the world coming to? Call and speak to Jimmy now. I'm trying to use the phone! 
888-788-9910. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Bottom of the ninth here on Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I am taking my talents over to the TV after this. I will be on with Greg Gutfeld tonight at 11 o'clock. Get the band back together with our lovable comedy dwarf, Greg Gottfeld. Two weeks from tonight, I will be hosting the show. I will be guest hosting that Monday night, April the 10th, because Greg will be off. I, of course, will be returning triumphantly from two wild shows on the West Coast. I'm talking about the Tower Theater in Bend, Oregon, Friday night, April the 7th. And then, of course, we are at the Egyptian Theater in Boise, Idaho, Saturday night, April the 8th. You want to come hang out with your radio buddy. And then I will be at Bananas Comedy Club in New Jersey, East Rutherford, New Jersey, Friday night, April the 21st, Saturday night, April the 22nd. And then the Laughs and Liberty Tour begins with myself and the host of Kennedy on the Fox Business Network. People are excited for that one. It's going to be me and the K train. The first gig is... May the 6th in Reading, Pennsylvania at the Santander Performing Arts Center. Sounds fancy. And then we will be in Clearwater, Florida at the Billheimer Capitol Theater. That is Saturday night, May the 20th. Then we're heading out to Davenport, Iowa. If you're hanging out with my man Fletcher Ford out there, uh, we're in Davenport. That's Saturday night, June the 3rd at the Adler Theater. And then Saturday night, June the 10th, the Mesa Arts Center in Mesa, Arizona. And then we were, of course, at the Lexington Opera House in Lexington, Kentucky, June the 24th. And then we take a little break for the 4th of July. And then we are at the Holland Civic Center in Holland, Michigan, July the 8th. More dates coming from there, including July 29th in Jenny Fela's hometown. I will be at the Grand Opera House in St. Mary's, Ohio. Jim Jordan's showing up to that one, and he claims he's going to beat me in golf afterwards. (laughs) Stomp us. Jim Jordan. Russell, his little press guy. This guy's probably play putt-putt. I probably got to hit the ball through a windmill into a clown's mouth. Whatever, I'll beat him at that too. But uh, the champ will be on the road, and I look forward to meeting all of you uh, between now and July and hanging out and having a shot, taking a selfie, doing the things we do. Because the whole point of Fox Across America is that I'm not the star. America is. You are a minority shareholder in this show. You own a piece of the action, and you should be out there basking in all of its success by buying me a beer or 12. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life. It's worked just fine for me. I'm out of here. See you tomorrow. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.